Welcome to the Pac-Man Podcast. Patriotic American citizen, I'm Ted Flint, your host. Good to be along with you as always. It is an honor to be broadcasting to you. And uh, before we get started, let me let me tell you something. If you're thinking of starting a podcast, I mean, it's easy. You can do it from your home. You can be in your pajamas. I'm not. I've been out shoveling snow this morning, but you can do that. And now's the time to do it because hundreds of thousands of people are doing podcasts. Some are better than others, like anything else in life. Maybe you've been thinking about it and you're not sure how to get started. Well, all you have to do is turn to Buzzsprout, B-U-Z-Z-S-P-R-O-U-T. It's hands down the easiest and best way to launch a podcast. Not only that, but Buzzsprout gets your show listed in every major podcast platform. You'll get a great-looking podcast website, audio players you can drop into other websites, detailed analytics to see how people are listening, tools to promote your episodes, and a whole lot more. So why not join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout and get your message out to the world? All you have to do is follow the link in this show's notes and get started today. Plus, if you sign up for a paid plan, they will give you a $20 Amazon gift card. Again, just follow the link in the show notes so that Buzzsprout knows I, the patriotic American citizen, Ted Flint, sent you. Buzzsprout, the easiest way to launch a podcast. We talked about the AG's report on the governor's, uh, the, the Cuomo administration's underreporting of nursing home deaths during the COVID pandemic. You know, you got Letitia James here. She's the AG. She's a very liberal, progressive Democrat, as most of them, if not all, are. And uh, we're going to talk about this because the, the Albany press corps really doesn't exist. If we had one, they'd be on this like white on rice. There are calls for the resignation of, I wish it were for the governor, but it's for uh, Howard Zucker, who's the head of the Department of Health. Some are calling for his resignation. Uh, there are subpoenas talked about, investigations talked about. And also there is a huge discrepancy between the state's numbers on the vaccine distribution rollout and the federal numbers. Now, the governor is still blaming Trump for the lack of a, an adequate federal rollout. I got news for you, Governor. Donald Trump's not in Washington. Your buddy Joe Biden is. And it's a, it's a mess. The governor is has really botched th- this COVID deal and the pandemic and the, the nursing home deaths and all this other stuff. There's a New York Times article which details a number of resignations at the Department of Health. A lot of these guys said, that's it, you know? And they're, they're quitting because of the uh, micromanaging they're getting from the governor's administration. The governor is a micromanager. I don't, you know, I don't know if you've heard this or not. Most progressives and liberals are. They, they're dictatorial. They're control freaks. Obama was, and certainly the governor is. I mean, I work at the assembly. I hear stories from the second floor in the Capitol and people who work, still work at the Capitol, and people who have worked for the governor say, this guy's he's impossible. There's a lot of criticism. I'm not going to you know, pile on the governor's performance. Everybody makes mistakes. Trump made mistakes with the, the pandemic, some of his statements. But there's a lot of uh, criticism about New York's rollout. Appointments can be made only through a computer. Now, that's a, who, who are we trying to help here? Most people at risk from COVID-19 are the elderly, people over 75 or 80. I have friends who are in their 70s. Sorry about that. But I mean, People 80 and over, let's say, they're the ones, the numbers tell us, they're the ones at greatest risk from, from, from COVID. They, they die in many cases. And they don't have computers. People in their 80s, in general, some do, some are with it. My, my parents, they passed away a few years ago. They were both in their early 80s. My mother refused to get a computer. I said, Mom, it's, don't be afraid of it. It's the latest technology. 
it was a decade ago. And she refused. She did. She had no interest. I said, we can communicate via Facebook or whatever. And she just said, no, you know, just call me. And I, you know, I'm kind of getting away myself as I enter my 60s. But old people don't have computers. And that's the only way you can sign up for uh, an appointment to get the vaccine. So that's got to change. I guess the governor was on MSNBC recently, and he said people value the truth. Well, you know, newsbreaker. Incompetent government kills people, he says. And it does. What government has been more incompetent than New York State's government on this? More people needed to die than should have died from COVID. But I guess I didn't see the interview, but I read about it here in this piece from Billy Binion, who writes for uh, Reason Magazine. I guess the governor repeated this phrase throughout the interview, you know, and that's the truth. People value the truth, the truth, the truth. You know something? People do die from government incompetence. But the governor, he weathered the heat that was some heat. I mean, the Albany Press Corps didn't give him heat on this back in the spring and summer for a directive that many say directly contributed to the state's huge numbers of nursing home deaths. Guidance issued by his administration in late March ordered those facilities to accept patients who had tested positive for COVID so long as they were deemed, quote unquote, medically stable. Now, does that make sense? Common sense would dictate if somebody's positive, why would you bring them to a nursing home to be, you know, in close proximity to people most at risk? It, it doesn't even make sense. So the governor got some heat, changed the directive in May. Then he specified that these people needed to test negative for the virus before they were admitted to the nursing homes. So, I mean, uh, we know what happened. More than 7,000 people here in New York State have reportedly died from COVID-19 since the vaccine rollout six weeks ago. And the governor issued, again, his, his orders on this, and he's a you know self-proclaimed foe of government incompetence. He announced in, I think it was December, maybe it was January, he announced that hospitals that failed to use all of their vaccines would face up to a $100,000 fine. Those that vaccinated anyone out of the state-approved order of operations would face up to a million-dollar fine. That's great, but here's, here's the kicker on this. The governor created this hierarchy of who was allowed to receive the vaccine and at what point hospitals, they couldn't vaccine every, anybody they wanted to, but they had no choice. They had to throw away all these expiring doses. They didn't want to face all these heavy fines. As a side note, on the, the nursing home story, Steve McLaughlin, who used to be an assemblyman, and uh, there, there was talk, you know, five, six, seven years ago of Steve running for governor. I wish he had run for governor, but he didn't have a lot of support, obviously, downstate. But anyway, he's the county executive in Rensselaer, in Rensselaer County, and there's a nursing home there, Diamond Hill. And when, when the governor issued this directive back in the spring, he said, this is madness. He defied it. He said, I'm, we're not doing that. He didn't allow any COVID-19 patients to be returned to or placed in the one nursing home run by the county, which is, again, Diamond Hill. It's not happening. It's craziness. That's why the McLaughlin defied the order. They defied the governor and the, the, uh, the health commissioner. So they, they, they were trying to put the squeeze on, on McLaughlin. They wanted to intimidate him, the governor and the, and the uh, commissioner of health. Didn't work. He said, no, we're not going to do that. That doesn't make sense. You know, some of these uh, orders co coming down either from the governor's office or from, from the White House need to be challenged. 
And because the Democratic Party, and I'm going to shift gears here a little bit, this was not really a seamless transition, but I think today's Democratic Party exists for two reasons. They want to, they want to snuff out innocent human life. They want to keep abortion legal under any and all circumstances. And they, they want to destroy our Second Amendment right to own a firearm. Those two issues, and it's been said on the Second Amendment, the Second Amendment is what ensures the First Amendment. And I agree. President Trump, he told us before the election, the coming years will decide the survival of our Second Amendment. And I don't think we've had a president in recent memory who's done more to protect the Second Amendment and to protect innocent human life than Donald Trump. Those two issues, maybe that's why he's reviled so much by the Democratic Party, the media, the, the communist left here in this country. During the campaign, Joe Biden, he promised us he was going after, he had a long list of, of gun control regulations. And Michael Bloomberg is no idiot. I mean, he spent $125 million just in Florida trying to help Biden win that state. Trump won the state, but Biden won the election, allegedly. And I guess uh, uh, Bloomberg dropped like $600 million nationally in the general election. But the, uh, the, the president, Biden now, it's hard to say that, President Biden, he is, his, some of his agenda, I'll just read you a couple of things that are working on here. They want to classify a lot of semi-automatic rifles and magazines holding more than 10 bullets as class three weapons, which can require nine months or more for approval at a $200 fee. He wants national gun licensing. Now, that's been the, uh, that's been the little nugget for the left for, for decades. They want national gun registration. That's not going to happen. We can't let that happen. Red flag laws that they're, they have here in New York State, which would let judges take away people's guns without a hearing. And that's happening. We're going to get to that, too. That's happened out in, uh, I forget what state. Out in the, uh, no, in Rhode Island. We'll tell you about that in a second. Cops coming in and taking legal firearms out of the home. Anyway, the, the president looking to ban some semi-automatic firearms that happen to look like military weapons. Just the aesthetics alone is too much for some of these gun banners. But on to uh, Rhode Island. And I read this and I, I said to myself, I, I just got to, I have to talk about this a little bit. There's a piece here in WorldNet Daily by Bob Unruh. And he talks about this uh, case in Rhode Island. In the U.S. Supreme Court, they're getting an appeal uh, in the Supreme Court. Their civil liberties legal group contends that lower court rulings in a Rhode Island case have set a dangerous precedent that allows police officers, in some instances, to enter the homes of citizens without a warrant and confiscate legal firearms. Now, we have a protection called the Fourth Amendment that protects against illegal searches and seizures. Cops just can't come into your home and just say, we want to look around. They need a warrant. So the Rutherford Institute, they filed a, an amicus brief in a case of Coniglia versus Strom. And it asserts in the amicus brief that the lower courts wrongly invoked the community caretaking exemption in the Fourth Amendment. And I'll read you, and I want to bore you with the legalese here, but according to the Institute, the Rutherford Institute, this case represents a blatant attempt by law enforcement to create gaping holes in the Fourth Amendment uh, force field that is supposed to protect homeowners and their homes against warrantless invasions by the government. It's a slippery slope argument, allowing government officials to uh, masquerade as community caretakers under the pretext of public health and safety. They can't violate the Fourth Amendment at will. Here's, here's what happened here. In 2015, uh, Kim Caniglia, 
of Cranston, Rhode Island, called police for a welfare check on her husband, her 68-year-old husband, Edward. They had had a fight, I guess, an argument, and she hadn't heard from him until the next morning. And Rutherford said that during the argument, Edward retrieved his unloaded handgun, slammed it on the table dramatically, and told his wife, why don't you just shoot me and get me out of my misery? Now, you know, he was being dramatic. He had his, you know, huge falling out. So cops contacted Edward. He was calm. He told them he would not commit suicide. He explained he made the comment out of frustration. I mean, he's, you know, let's, let's face it. I'm married. Most of you who are married, you know, you know what it's like. You know, it's, it's difficult at times. You lose your cool. Anyways, despite him saying, look, I, I'm okay now. I just, I lost my head for a second. The cops took him in custody. They confined him to a psychiatric hospital. So while he's, while he's in the hospital, <laughs> cops entered his home and seized his handguns. Now, they told him they weren't going to do that. So Coniglia, the, the husband, later sued the police for warrantless entry and confiscation of his lawfully owned firearms. And he contends his Fourth Amendment rights were violated, unreasonable searches and seizures. However, the lower courts ruled in favor of the police, the state ruling in favor of the state, basically. They claimed the seizures of, or seizure of the weapons was within the Fourth Amendment's community caretaking exemption, which typically has been limited to searching vehicles during traffic stops. Not in this case. Anyway, the reason I'm mentioning this, if this precedent stands, uh, Cops would be allowed to just enter your home without a warrant and seize lawfully possessed firearms. Now, you know that the, 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 the liberals here in New York State, the liberals who run the state government, the downstate liberals, most of them are downstate, New York City and five boroughs and, you know, Long Island. They want just to take away our weapons. They want to just strip us of our Second Amendment rights because they can't really go through with the rest of their agenda if, unless we're disarmed. That's the first thing Hitler did in Germany, Mao in China, Stalin in Russia. You disarm the public so you get no, no resistance. Don't think that's not what this is about because that's what it's about. And the Democratic Party, they live, for, as I mentioned, for two things in my view. They live to take away our Second Amendment rights under, any, you know, under the pretext of public safety. And they, wanted, they just want to be able to snuff out the life of a baby in the womb. That is so important to them. It's like nothing else matters. Nothing else matters, just those two issues. I mean, they have a, a list of, whole list of, a litany of, uh, of things they want to accomplish here in the first two years. Because after, I think, the midterms, I hope anyway, that Republicans rest control back. Uh, I mean, they have a, a long, a laundry list of things they want to accomplish before the, uh, the midterms in 2022. Because I think Republicans have a, a shot at taking back the House. The Senate's going to be a little more difficult. The, uh, the map is not in Republicans' favor, but they can take back the House. They picked up, I think, 12 or 14 seats this last election cycle. So the Dems, they want to push through this, the, the climate change nonsense, the, uh, what's, uh, the AOC, the Green New Deal. They want that. They want all this health care stuff, Medicare for all, and maybe student loan forgiveness. I wouldn't mind that too much. So I, I, got, I got a loan I'm still paying on. But anyway, the whole the, everything they they're, they're trying to do, I think the Democratic Party at the federal level and at the state level, and probably at your local level as well, they don't do anything that that enhances your freedom, or your security, or your or your wallet. Basically, everything they're pushing 
takes away your rights, makes you less free and less prosperous. That's all the time I have. I, unfortunately, I don't know where the time went, but thank you very much, folks, for tuning us in. This is Pac-Man, patriotic American citizen. I'm Ted Flint, your host, and if the good Lord wills it, we will talk to you real soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced in the BMG Studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more information about the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint.